Our guest on the podcast today is Sika Henry, a two-time marathon champion who turned her talents to the world of triathlon. A serious bike crash in 2019 slowed her quest to become the first African-American woman to hold a pro triathlon card, but she still managed to qualify for the Ironman World Championships in Kona later that year. She focused heavily on her run training through the pandemic, and her tri-season kicked off this past weekend at Challenge Miami Half Ironman. We recorded the show just before she left, but I'm happy to report that she finished safely and with a PR of 4 hours 38 minutes in her first effort of the season. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I am your host, Troy Bousseau, coming to you from sunny Colorado. It is March 8th, 2021, and this is episode 35. How are you, Sika? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. You too. How's the weather there in Virginia? Is it nice and sunny there? It's actually beautiful this week. It's supposed to go up to 70 degrees. And of course, I'm flying out (laughs) this weekend (laughs) when the weather is supposed to be perfect. I'm heading down to Florida. Uh, Well, I mean, it's not like you're going somewhere, you know, you're not going to Nova Scotia, right? You're going to Florida. That's true. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have um, Sika Henry on the podcast today. You're a uh, currently a triathlete, but you kind of came from the marathoning world um, and uh, recently a pacer at the Hope Hoka Carbon X 200K race, which is kind of how you popped up in in front of my purview athletes. We did all the results for that and um, chrono track timed. And so I was reading through, I think one of your blog posts originally and um, it just caught my eye, loved the story and stuff and started digging a little bit more into you and um, your, your career, I would assume at this point is sort of like delineated, like pre-crash, post-crash maybe. Um, but we'll get into some of that stuff and uh, and just kind of talk about how you how you arrived into triathlons and and um, you know what you have coming coming up in your life and career going forward. So, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You're and um, I've never heard it described that way. Post <laughs> pre and post craft. That's yeah. a pretty good way to look at it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You know, in life, you always have these delineations. You know, like I I you remember certain things, frame of reference, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, I was in Mm -hmm. high school then, or this is before I moved, or this is when I was dating so-and-so or whatever. And so careers are oftentimes delineated, you know, like in the corporate world or whatever with, oh, I was working here versus there. But uh, when your career is an ever-changing thing like endurance sports, there are different things, you know. Hopefully one day it'll be like, well, that was before – before I won Kona, and then this was after I won Kona. (laughs) Yeah, in my dreams. (laughs) You got to dream big, right? Yep, always, always. Well, cool. So what is your um, athletic background? I know you came from the marathoning side, you know, once you were sort of at that level, but like growing up and things, what kind of an athlete were you? Yeah, so um, my primary, I I played everything growing up. My brother and I both, my parents always had us in uh, organized sports, so... Um, always shuttling us everywhere. I'd say my very first one was gymnastics, mm. but now, as you can see, I'm 5'10". I was going to so say, I you're very that. long. <laughs> I'm tall, yeah. So I outgrew that pretty fast, but um, I did gymnastics for years, and then I got into swimming, and I swam competitively all four years of high school. And then my senior year of high school, I went out for the track team. Mm. It was something I'd always wanted to try. The track coach talked me into it. He thought I could be a pretty good jumper. And I fell in love with the high jump. And I did some short sprints, 200, 400. And when I really got into track at the end of my high school year, um, 
I had already gotten into Tufts University at that point, and right. it was Division Three. So I'm like, well, maybe I can walk onto the team. I contacted the coach, Kristen Morwick, and I ended up doing track and field all four years of college, but nice. not as a distance runner. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, um, I was a high jump, so okay. mostly field event. Yeah, but um, I did have some short speed. Um, like I went to NCAA's as a high jumper, but also part of the four by four hundred relay team, and we came in second. I want to say my wow. junior year of college, so I became all American. So yeah, I did have some short speed, but um, my love, I would say, was the high jump. High jump, yeah. Not something one normally does, like post high school or college. You don't go down on the weekends and <laughs> throw out the right. pro pit, you know, keep doing high right. jump throughout your life. Um, yeah. So you weren't really looking to, like, you didn't go in on a on a track scholarship. It sounds like you were. No, walking. not at all. Mm -mm. Nope. I don't think I ever showed any, like, there was nothing that showed that I would be a successful runner or track athlete or anything uh, like that growing up, I don't think. I love hearing that because there, you know, I'm not that I'm like uh, embarking on some collegiate career now, you know, that's long in my rearview mirror, but the, mm -hmm. you know, there, you had made a, um, we'll get into it, but in the, in the um, Hoka event, you saw like the drone started flying over your head and stuff. <laughs> and then Walmsley comes yeah. running by. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, that's fantastic. I love watching Walmsley run and, you know, like mm -hmm. there are these people, but it's like, I can't learn anything from Jim Walmsley. Like I'm not, I'm a different species from whatever he is, you know, like he's just. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love hearing, you know, like you didn't really think that you had this in you at the time and, and you don't have mm -hmm. to be born as like this three-year-old Olympian, um, you know, that you can grow into these things and work really hard and, you know, and kind of right. find your way into them. You know. Right. Yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, you know, if you look on Athlings and you look at my history, it wasn't that long ago that I like couldn't even break 130 and a half marathon. It's crazy. Um, it was only a few years ago. And, you know, now I can do that at the end of a half Ironman in a triathlon. Right. But I never thought like I remember the first time I tried to break 130. I ended up in the med tent actually drinking Pedialyte. I, I think yeah. I ran like a 131. It was just so hard. I couldn't fathom running faster than that and you know i guess it's just consistency and yeah. you know finding the right coach and putting in all the time and what is that so like i mean there are people that you hear about where um i was just reading about um gosh who was it i don't remember who it was it was an ultra runner oh it was in it was in um rise of the ultra runners where ed hanneron Find is talking about another runner who literally like bet his wife he was a smoker and a drinker, bets his wife that he can go do like a hundred miler. She's like, you're crazy. And then he ran three marathons in a day and a half and just, and then all of a sudden found out like his third marathon mm -hmm. in a day and a half, I think he ran like a three ten. Right. And yeah. it's just like, you know, he didn't even know it was inside of him. So you hear about mm -hmm. these people who are just so wildly talented from the very first time they start running. And then it sounds like you kind of grew into it. What was the journey to grow? Was it was it just focus and and like scientifically doing the right things by a coach's hand, et cetera? Or did was there something um, else? Was it maturity, a combination of 47? Right, yeah. I, I don't think there's ever just one thing. Yeah. I will say that when I saw the biggest leap was when I actually started getting into triathlon. So when I was just doing distance runs and working really hard at trying to get my half marathon time down and stuff. I, 
I just, I couldn't even break 20 minutes in a 5k. Like it was just so hard, no matter how much mileage I was doing. And I was ending up injured and I couldn't do two double days or, you know, like none of that was working for me. But when I started experimenting with triathlon and I cut back on the running and I started swimming and biking and developed like a strong aerobic base, all of a sudden my times just start. That's when they started coming. That's when I you know, would ran in the 18s for a 5k and I broke 130 and a half. And, um, so I would say that helped a lot. And then where I'm at now, how I progressed over the past two years, um, I definitely need to give credit to my coach, Jonathan Karen. He's changed me completely as an athlete. Got it. Do you, have you, have you noticed the same type? Like, are you, are you just inherently better at the run than the swim and bike? Or do you feel like, like, where do you line up in those three sports? Oh, definitely. But it used to, well, Running now seems so natural to me. Um, I can zone out. I can sometimes be out and not even realize like, oh, I've run, you know, such and such miles already. How did that happen? That does not happen when I'm in the pool because you have to like keep track of how many laps, what lap you're on and, you know, flip turns and the disruption of that. And even with riding my bike, um, being aware of, you know, like cars and potholes in the road. So I can't really zone out. I definitely have to more focused on the other two sports that doesn't come as natural to me i can't say that i'm in love with them the way i am with running yeah um but there's a lot of potential there because i'm just sort of finding my way in those two disciplines now for sure yeah that's an interesting thing i hadn't really thought about it but they're like i um even bike versus run run I can go hours of silence. No, I don't need a podcast. I don't need anything music. Even I'm totally fine. Mm-hmm. Bike, even though it's like bike, I have to have a very specific. I can't listen to fast music. Like I, my mm-hmm. my dirty secret is I listen to like Sarah McLaughlin and things like that on my bike <laughs> because if I get if like I can't mm-hmm. listen to metal or I just get too amped right. up and I just fatigue and stuff. We're running. I could. I could listen to anything or nothing and nothing. It's just like running is my kind of Zen and biking takes effort. Yep. Swimming takes effort, you know, all it's yep, interesting. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I need, um, like I've been doing Zwift a lot with mm-hmm. the bike to help keep me entertained. Like I, I need yeah. like, I wouldn't say distractions, but I need help yeah. <laughs> to get through long, like riding indoors for three hours. Uh, I can't say that's fun. Some of my friends love it. Nope. I need lots of stuff going on to get me through those. Yeah. The, I would say when I was doing triathlons and I would do those kind of longer sessions indoors, I'd never did three hours, but I think I did some twos and stuff. And it was more of a, um, it was more of like a masochistic thing. Like I did two hours on the bike, proving something to myself mm-hmm. versus like mm-hmm. that was a good quality workout. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Do you like Zwift? Like, do you find that, I mean, I guess, is it just the less of all evils for for you for the bike? Uh, Now that I'm getting, I just started getting into it this year. So I first started using trainer road, which is a power based structured workouts where Mm. you're literally like looking at the line and just following where your FTP FTP needs or what your power is what we would call it needs to be. But with Zwift, it's more interactive and you can do group rides. You can use your app and chat with friends as you're riding. So, um, I'm now that I'm using the app more and getting more into it, I'm enjoying it a lot more. Yeah. Okay. Do you have like a bunch of friends? It's it's futuristic. It looks so real. Like the places you can ride in London and New York city and it's real. They have pigeons (laughs) like in the app and stuff. 
It's funny, like if you were, I think if you were to pitch that, it would sound so crazy and you'd be like, I'm never going to use that or I wouldn't invest in it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to build it. But then once you see it and it's like, yeah, man, somehow it works. Like it doesn't feel like it should work, but it works. Right. It's like, man, right. okay, yeah, that's pretty fun. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Now they have like during COVID, um, they had race series where professionals were competing against each other through the app. Yeah. So. It's a long way. It's a brave new world where, you know, sometimes you need to shake things to their core. Uh, virtual races is a perfect example of something that race directors have been asking for this for a decade. And, and none of the platforms had virtual races where you could sort of combine the virtual and the in-person results. Mm -hmm. And within 30 days of the lockdown a year ago, every single racing platform and then some other people who weren't racing platforms like Athlinks had virtual um, solutions out there. So I think the, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years where, yeah. you know, every race now has a timer and, uh, you know, all of these, this different infrastructure, it'll be interesting to see how much of that stuff falls away as more right. things go just purely digital and, and that type of thing. It's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. So what, um, so you start your post-collegiate marathon career like how what was that so you were saying like you couldn't really even break you know 20 minutes for a while like did, was it just at that point you graduate and you just still love running so you keep oh running. I never loved running you never lo <laughs> I did not oh no my gosh I didn't even want to run a mile in college to warm up wow but uh, my coach yeah the longest runs I would do were like three miles and it was just miserable mm. I did not one of my um, roommates in college, she was a distance, like 5K runner, and, and eventually she actually uh, ran at the Olympic trials and the marathon, but um, she would do those Sunday long runs with the team and like was on cost country. I just thought it was insane. I'm like, wait, you ran 10 miles today? That's absolutely yeah. insane. So no, I was never into distance running. I never thought I would do anything like that. But um, after I graduated college and I was working in New York City and, you know, I grew up right outside New York City. So I always watched the New York City Marathon. And then I went to college right outside of Boston. So I watched the Boston Marathon every year. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I wonder what that would be like. It would be cool to say that I've finished a marathon like most people bucket yeah. list things. So, um, yeah, like after I graduated, I wasn't doing track and field anymore. I wasn't that active. I got kind of out of shape and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sign up for a marathon. So I signed up for the Atlantic city marathon and I didn't, I knew nothing about distance running. I didn't even, I hadn't even done like, I hadn't done a half marathon. I hadn't done a 10 K. I think I did a five K. I went out and like ran 15 miles one day. I think I might've tried a 20 mile run. So anyway, I showed up to my first marathon completely undertrained. Wow. I went out I think at a decent pace, but I just had a regular watch, not like a Garmin. I didn't know what pace I was running. I didn't know to take gels or anything like that. So <laughs> all I'm drinking is water and I'm feeling great until like mile 16. And then it just all unraveled. I'm puking, walking oh, wow. by mile 20. <clears throat> I wanted to just quit. There was a spectator on the side of the road and I asked, I used her cell phone to try to call my friend to come pick me up and she didn't answer the phone. So I had to finish the marathon. Wow. Wow. It was just, I was like, my stomach was so tore up for like two weeks after that race. I was like, never again. Holy but smokes. surprisingly, I still broke four hours. I want to say it was like 357. Yeah. So considering all the walking and the puking and under preparation yeah. for it, I'm like, all right, well, 
maybe if I go about this the right way, I could run a decent time. So that's when I started actually like training properly. My God, that's like the worst blind date that like, <laughs> ends in a beating. And then you're like, oh, but I still like the guy and I'm going to, you know, yeah, just to marry him. Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but wow. it was really bad. It took me seven years to try it again. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how long it took before I did another one. Now it took, it took quite a while. Did you go to shorter distances? In the meantime, I did. Yeah. I started doing 5Ks, yeah. 10Ks, and half marathons first. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite distance? The marathon now? The marathon is yeah, it? Yeah, probably the yeah. marathon. Yeah. 5K, I like how quickly it's over, mm-hmm. but it's just, it feels like a flat out sprint to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very painful. The half marathon, I still haven't figured it out yet. I heard somebody the other day refer to it as more 10K than marathon. Mm. Like you have to go out at a fast pace and hold yeah. it. And I haven't been able to do that yet. So yeah. like my half marathon doesn't really translate to what I'm able to run in the marathon. Yeah. It had to have been pretty tantalizing, like going 16 miles pretty well, you know, through that first yeah. race and like, okay, you know, I mean, six, like it sounds great, you know, but, but the difference between 16 and 26 doesn't feel like that long. Right. And right. it probably felt right. like, yeah, if I can nail my nutrition, I can, I can do this again. I can figure this piece out. You know? Yeah. And in a lot and of get ways. get long runs in yeah, <laughs> and yeah. get some long runs in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. In a lot of ways. I do that a lot right now. I'm training for a 50 miler and I, and I keep like justifying myself like, oh, okay, I just ran half of that. Like how hard could the second half be? And it's like yeah. every mile yeah. past 25 is excruciating. So. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it feels good until it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the 5k distance, you know, you've got people who are so, one of the first interviews I did on this podcast was Anthony Famoletti, who's, um, he was an Olympic steeplechaser and he was telling Mm -hmm. this story about in fifth grade, he was running a mile for like PE and he, he was in the lead. And the next thing he knows, his coach is like smacking him in the face, waking him up. He had, yeah, he had passed out like three quarters of the way to the (laughs) mile. And and he's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. I'm like, dude, like, I don't have the ability to make myself pass out running so hard. I quit long yeah. before I faint, you know? And there's just oh. people like that that can just take no, themselves no, to I that level. No, no, I pushed myself a little over the edge. I, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't have that ability. That is that is a super, superpower for sure. Like being able to mm-hmm. get that vision, you know, sort of collapsing in on itself and, you know, like. Right holding that line between <laughs> passing out and not passing out. I think you ha- just haven't found that race yet. <laughs> no, I've found the race and I failed okay. it. I'll say okay. that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think if I would, if I was going to found it by now, I would have found it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. No, I'll, uh, I'll give all credit where it's due. And, and people like you have different, different levels than people like me, I think perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my level clearly isn't at his because he's made it to the Olympics. So. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, you guys all have such great stories about it, though. I mean, again, it's like you have your Walmsleys and then you have mm-hmm. the people who just sort of like find their way through it. And, um, you know, Nick Simmons is another Division Three guy who made it to the Olympics a couple of times. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, just just for him, he just it was all hard work. He, you know, he's like, I wasn't the most talented right. or whatever. But right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So, um, so then you start, so it's, it's so funny to me that you never really liked running. And then this this seven year <clears throat> journey basically to get to, to get to, um, some modicum of like, okay, wow, I start to get really good at this. Why, 
Yeah. Why triathlon? Why not just try to get better and better? Was it that triathlon was helping you get, I guess you did say this earlier, that triathlon was sort of your secret weapon to even get faster at the run? Yeah. Um, I guess because I'm not, I haven't figured it out yet. Like, mm-hmm. I think the potential is there with triathlon. It's just a long process that I'm still trying to work through. I think the curiosity there. Um, and then, of course, like I am huge with represent, I think representation matters, and there's very few African Americans in the sport. So that's something that I picked up very early on. Um, there's only been one African American man to get a pro card in triathlon. So I'm like, oh, this could be a possibility. That would be great to be the first woman. And so there's that aspect there that's kind of driving me. And um, like the, um, yeah, I guess helping spread some diversity to the sport. And um, I, I guess, yeah, it's a combination of a few of those things. With running, yeah. I think I can still keep getting faster from the tri training. If I quit triathlon and I just became a pure runner, I don't think I'd get much faster than I am now. But I do find that the longer I'm in this sport, um, the, the faster I'm getting at running. So let's go back to the point you just made a second ago on the representation. Why do you think, uh, like, top one, two, or three reasons, what do you think is the main contributor to the lack of representation in triathlon? Mm-hmm. Um, well, in no particular order, uh, I think in general, and this applies to everybody, not just African-Americans, but triathlon's a really expensive sport, like the equipment, the bikes. Um, you know, if you want to get to a level where you're really competitive, you have to definitely shell out some money. Um, it's more expensive than road racing. <laughs> I want to say an Ironman is like uh, 800 plus dollars just to race one. And then yeah. you're traveling. It's not like, you know, around here, there's a before COVID, there are local road races every weekend that you can hop into for $25 and triathlons a lot different than that. So that's a huge barrier right there, the expense of the sport. And then, um, you know, of course, the first leg of a triathlon is a swim and um, African-Americans, about 64, 65% of African-Americans lack basic swimming skills. So, you know, can't swim, you can't do the sport. So, um, I guess that's a, another really big barrier that keeps us out of the sport. And, you know, I, I grew up swimming and even I get intimidated when I show up to a race and you know, I'm like looking, is it open? What kind of open water is it? Is it a lake? Is it an ocean? Ocean yeah. kind of freaked me out. And um, yeah, so that as well. Yep. And then just um, the popularity of the sport. It's not a mainstream sport. Even right. cycling is more popular than triathlon. The only time you really see triathlon on TV is once a year. NBC broadcasts the Ironman World Championship. So yep. people also have this idea that, oh, triathlon equals Ironman. And they don't realize that there's right. sprint and Olympic and there's, you know, super sprint and stuff you can do in the pool. Um or even a duathlon, you can do run, bike, run. So yeah. not knowing, um, not knowing enough about the sport and the options out there. Yeah. yeah. What is what is the deal? Because you, I, I interviewed Latoya Snell. Same thing about the swim. Oh, I love her. <laughs> yeah, and I talked to um, Roderick Sewell, who same oh, thing. Love him too. Same yeah. thing on the swim. Like terrified of the swim, no access. Like mm. what? What? What is it? Because I, I have heard this probably my whole life. Like the the you know like basically if you're black you don't swim or there's a there's something like what is that i've never gotten a good explanation is it accessibility to like Mm. swimming pools is there like what what 
Well, if you really want to delve into this, <laughs> well, delve into um, it as deeply as you want to go. We don't have to make it all about that, but I am I am genuinely okay. curious because I look yeah. at the again the representation. This is all about more people racing more often, having more fun in the process. So any part athletes can play in getting more people to race more often. I'm all right. about it, and I yeah. and so whatever, wh- however we can help in that regard, let's let's talk mm-hmm. about it, and maybe part of it is just having an open conversation about it. So totally open to it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you know, I think sometimes we, meaning black athletes, we avoid these type of conversations because it's like, God forbid, you bring up race or yeah. <laughs> systemic racism or anything like that, you just get slaughtered in the comment section. Um, but I do speak about it anyway, because it's history and it is important to know why things are the way they are. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, as you know, segregation didn't happen. We weren't desegregated. We weren't allowed to even swim in pools until like the 1960s. Um, you know, that really isn't that long ago. Um, you know, I think about my parents and stuff. So my grandfather, my dad's dad, he, uh, was a phenomenal football player, but he couldn't play in the NFL because of segregation. So. Um, but yeah, so when you think about centuries of segregation, us not having access to pools, so great grandparents didn't learn how to swim, that gen- usually gets passed down. And when we would go places where we could swim, it's not like we had lifeguards manning creeks and lakes and stuff. And the drowning rate was really high and parents got scared and they didn't want their kids anywhere near the water. You know, mm. like, you know, we can't swim. And um, and that just, you know, I can't remember what the exact statistic is that if your parents can't swim, the chances of you not being able to swim is really high. So um, I would say that we were kind of at a, mm. we're, we're starting very late to the game when it comes to swimming. And that's yeah. why now, you know, mm. you see somebody like Simone Manuel who won gold in the pool, like, you know, she's the first. And, yeah. You know, it's sad that it's, I think that happened in 2016, that it's that recent that we finally got an African-American individual Olympic gold medalist. So, yeah. um, Yep. And then, you know, like the inner cities. um, Now I see, I guess maybe like more YMCAs doing programs and stuff like that, offering free lessons and things of that sort. But, you know, that can get really expensive too. And uh, so, yeah, like money um, financially, that's a factor having access to pools locally, um, and like really great facilities and swim lessons. So that all plays a part. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense as you explain it and, you know, forgive my ignorance or naivete or whatever. I mean, I think there's a, I don't know, there's a certain amount that is somewhat self-evident, but then it's, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like of all the things to, to overcome, because like you said, it's like when you see triathlon, it's one of these things where it's kind of hard to be ambivalent about it. You, you either like think that's insane or you go, man, I want to do that. Like triathlon is just one of those mm-hmm. sports that kind of jumps out. Like, yeah, if you want to do it, you're going to find a way to do it, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny, you know, just talking to Roderick and just his relationship with Rudy and then, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. one, he grew up in San Diego Two, He's got Rudy. But the funny mm-hmm. thing was he didn't do triathlons until he moved to New York city. And, the, you know, he was right. doing all of his hand crank rides in Central Park. I was like, oh, my God, how do you train for yeah. Kona just in Central Park? 
I don't know. That was actually Kona uh, in 2019 was the last time we were able to race it. That was both him and I's first Oh, that's right. That was the same year. Yeah. Oh, he was so inspirational. I almost quit, actually. And I saw him. I was heading back into town to transition to the run. I saw him out, um, I think maybe on the Queen K or something, and he was using the hand cranks. And people don't realize how unbelievably windy and hard it is. So I couldn't imagine, like, me pedaling. It's easier than what he was doing but anyway i wanted to quit he was so focused i'm like all right he's finishing i need to finish this race so oh, that's awesome yeah he's he's amazing yeah that's uh, and you're right like i asked him about that like why didn't you do the sort of recumbent which would have been a lot more aerodynamic and for whatever mm-hmm. i don't remember what the answer was but he wanted that hand yeah. crank I, he's i think that's just him like he wants the harder route or something yeah he's so tough my dad when he, my dad was waiting for me to get out the water he saw Roderick and okay, Roderick uh, and people who are listening, he's w, double amputee. He was the first to have cross yeah. the finish line at the Ironman World Championships. And he outswam me by like 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> My dad was like, I saw Roderick. And then it took a really long time before I saw you. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's yeah. awesome. So you go, you, um, was the you were in the middle of so you had already, already you had already been achieving a certain level of success in triathlon because you had as your goal going into Galveston to be the first African American woman to get your pro card, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is not um, like you're you're kind of on the road, and you were actually trending very well toward this. You had missed it by like three minutes, I think, in a previous race. Yeah, everything was going well. I started working with Coach Jonathan in 2018, and we were just steadily progressing. I think my first race, half Ironman, the half Ironman is what I specialize in. Yeah. So 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon run. So when I first started working with Coach Jonathan, I want to say it came in like 19th woman. At, so you need to come in top three amateur female overall at a qualifying race to get your pro card. So, um, I came in like 19th and then the next one I did 70.3 Eagle man. Um, I think I missed it by like 10 minutes. I was like 11th. Okay. And then, um, I went into 70.3 Atlantic city a few months after that. And I dropped my time down a lot. I think I was like maybe seventh woman there and I finally broke 130 and a half marathon at the end and we put in this really hard block of training all winter I mean like I just I've never worked so hard in my life so heading into 2019 I'm like all right like I I think I have a legit shot at this so I flew down to Galveston Texas it was April April 2019 and it was that that race is huge um it ended up being a age group way of start. So it's not like running where it's fastest to slowest by seed time, like how you would typically see it, like corrals, you know, the slower people in the back, the fast people go up front. Um, The way this is, is the pros go first and then they assign you a time. And I didn't know this heading, I think two weeks ahead of time, they tell you. So had I known that I wouldn't have done the race, um, it's kind of, to me, a scary way to race when if you're new to it, it's okay. Cause you're just kind of figuring things out. But when you're at the point where you want to like, when you're actually racing, like you're trying to place and get ahead of everybody, yeah. it's a bit scary with so many people on the, on the road, on bikes and they're, 
figuring out what to do. And sometimes it's their first one or they're on a mountain bike and they're just looking to finish. So um, when I got out the water, and by the way, I had a miserable swim. So who knows if it would have happened. But Mm. um, I got out the water, I got on my bike and I just kind of put my head down and I went for it. And there were a lot of people on the road. I don't remember much, but I was told that... uh, there were some people that didn't really know what they were doing. And one person, you when, when you ride, you ride on the right, you pass on the left, and somebody swerved right in front of me. And uh, I was going over 25 <clears throat> miles per hour, and I swerved to avoid them. I hit something in the road, and I just went flying, um, face wow. forward, head into the pavement, completely knocked out. Um, I woke up hours later in the ER. So It was a very grisly-looking wreck you would have thought and i think you had mentioned it like when you woke up you kind of thought you were in a car accident you looked like you were in a yeah, car accident i did yeah i, I literally looked like i had gone through the windshield yeah. um you know i because i landed face forward my visor um pretty much shattered in my face it lacerated my face i had to get like 40 stitches i broke my nose um I had really bad road rash all over my body, which turned out bad. I ended up developing infections, but um, I had a lot of uh, issues like with my neck. I couldn't, I didn't have full rotation, couldn't put my head up, down, right, left. So it took a while for me to even get back into swimming again. Um, So yeah, uh, I knocked my teeth loose. I had to get a splint put in my mouth and couldn't eat solid food for a month. I mean, it was so bad that, I live alone in Virginia, but I had to fly from the hospital and stay with my parents wow. um, outside of New York City so that they could help me out for a few weeks. And we had to go see a lot of doctors, of course, neurologists to make yeah. sure my brain was okay and I was functioning all right. So it was a nightmare. It's just still, I've gotten numb because I've told the story a lot, right. but it's still, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Did you hit just the ground or did you impact something uh, perpendicular to the ground? Just the ground. Wow. Oh, what, what, what did I hit? They, uh, you know, like, what I did your really... face, like, did you? Did oh, you... oh, no, my head. My head was just the ground. Stuck, like, wow. Crap. Yep. Face forward, head yeah. into the ground. I yep. mean, it looks That's like you went perfect. into a wall or something. Yep. Like you're, exactly. You're, yeah, exactly. And I practically did. I did into the pavement over yeah. 25 miles per hour. So, yeah. yeah, I'm lucky that I wasn't paralyzed. And I remember waking up. And knowing that there was something bad that happened and that I was in an accident and I first thought, like, I hope I'm not paralyzed. And I remember, like, moving my arms and my legs and thinking, like, okay. But I knew when there were so many doctors standing over me and trying to figure out, you know, um, I guess what they were going (laughs) to do to help me. um, I knew it was really serious and they didn't want to give me a mirror to see what I look like. And, uh, yeah, it was was scary. but. Um, at the time, I think I was most concerned about my brain, though, yeah. like function, like, am I OK functionally? Like, you know, you hear these horror stories where people have to permanently live, you know, with their parents and be, you know, yeah. have to get taken care of or like their memory is never the same stuff like that. So initially, those were my main concerns. Yeah, that the scary thing, too, is I, I know there's a lot of talk, you know, in football with CTE. <clears throat> in I think there's a certain amount of that that is good, meaning um, like if you've never been had your bell rung and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it happens, I'm no neurologist, but I think that there's a certain amount of, I don't know, maybe there's a neurologist out there who's like screaming at the, the their phone right now <laughs> going, you're an idiot. That's not how it works. But there's a certain amount of like, 
like combat sports where you are getting your bell rung, where you sort of strengthen that in a way where then mm -hmm. all of a sudden the first time you get in a wreck, I know a lot of people who have been in very small bike wrecks who get concussed very easily. Um, right. And I wonder about like, okay, maybe that's because I've, I've, I've probably wrecked my bike a hundred times. Just I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm a little too aggressive for my skill set, I think. But um, mm -hmm. um, I've never had a concussion. I've played years and years of football and I know some people are more prone to it and, and whatever, but that is very scary yeah. that all of a sudden the first time that you really go down hard, um, did, yeah. were you concussed? Like, did you feel? Yeah, uh, I thought I was normal because okay. I think we all think we yeah, are did, until yeah. I was going to, you know, I was talking to my family and going to see doctors and I didn't realize I was looping, like telling uh, the same stories over and saying the same things over and not remembering it. Um, <clears throat> initially, I had some short term memory loss. I don't remember conversations that I had. Um, some of my friends I talked to the first week and I don't remember that. Wow. Um, I've gone back through my phone, of course, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's, yeah. you know, that's crazy. So, but uh, no long-term yeah. issues or anything. I think I just got really, really lucky. Yeah. It's a good yeah. thing you didn't text everyone at work and tell them what you really think of them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, I did not embarrass myself, thank God. Although I think, uh, I think they would have had some sympathy for me considering the severity of, <laughs> oh, for sure. of what happened and how I looked. Yeah, just send them a picture and they would have been, okay, well, you're, mm. you're forgiven. Yeah, I went. Oh, I did actually send like even my coach. I mean, it's so bad now. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm nervous about this upcoming race. And he's like, why? And then I'll send him like the picture from my crash. And wow. he's like, oh my gosh, Sika. Yeah. So lead, leading into that race, I want to get off the accident for just a second. Leading into that race, you're this is the first time you're really crushing them. Again, you're like, you know, 11th place, 7th place, et cetera. Where were you making the biggest gains, swim, bike, or run, or transition? Or was it pretty um, even? I would say once I start, I, I had always had a strong run even before yeah. Johnny. Um, so I would say, and the reason why I hired him is because he's such a great coach when it comes to cycling. Okay. Um, like he coaches Jen Anna and she's has the world record on the bike in an Ironman. So um, that was part of the reason why I wanted to work with him. So I would say I dropped a lot of time um, working with him and us figuring things out and my fit and stuff like that. Like when I first got into the sport, I couldn't break three hours yeah. on the bike and then half Ironman. Like that's how much of a struggle, like wow. I can run a marathon faster than that. Yeah. Um, so, and then now, you know, obviously with him, I've dropped 20, 25 minutes or something that's like crazy. that. So yeah. So it's, and it's, I'm still progressing with that. Yeah. We're still like learning how to, you know, get me more competitive on the bike. So that's where I'm making up the most time. Do you think, so it's interesting. Cause I look at, I look at how you're physically built. You're very lean. Like you don't yeah. have big quads. And then, you know, when right. you look at the kind of the bike versus the run, any weakness in the bike could chew your run up, exactly. just burning yep. your legs out. Do you feel yeah. like that's a, um, like the, the way that you, obviously it makes you a better runner, but maybe limits your top end ceiling on the bike or, or have you thought about that? Like, how do you think about oh, that? I think about it a lot and I okay. talk to him about that. Sometimes I'm, um, oops. Um, I feel like maybe if I gain weight, I would be 
a faster swimmer. I see that people, I don't know, like, and this is just speculation. I'm like, maybe I'd be more buoyant. But yeah, and I do see the women who like just crush me on the bike. I mean, they're so strong and they're so much bigger than me. But then again, you know, we race these uh, long events in the summer and it's hot and I seem to do really well once I get on the run because I am lighter and, you know, leaner and, and faster in that way. So yeah, there's just, I think it's just, I can't physically change my body. It is what it is at that point, at this point, nor do I really want to go through all that. So it's figuring out how to be the best athlete with what I'm working with. What's your biggest liability? Is it, is it the bike or the swim? Oh, I'm a terrible swimmer. Terrible swimmer. (laughs) Oh gosh. It's so frustrating. I swear. It doesn't matter how good a shape you are in. It's all about getting a feel for the water and hundred percent. I don't get it. It's yeah. like, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I swim, it's just, yeah. it's, it's tough. Yeah. One, one of my good friends, he swam for Michigan and, and Arizona state. I think he was third out of the water at Kona six, mm. three, six, four guy named Mike Melly. And I've swam next to him and it's like, it makes you stop. You just want to it's kind of like what you said about Walmsley running by you as a gazelle. Right. Like he just, it is bizarre watching him swim. It is, it is beautiful. Like it is just beautiful to watch. Oh, I mean the kids at the pool when I train the like <laughs> local club kids, they're like eight and they're laughing me. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I got what I thought was pretty good at swimming and I I feel like I'm not splashing. I'm a good silent swimmer, but I can okay. I can be in phenomenal shape and stuff. And my my top tie, I can swim like a one twenty five hundred. Like it's just not going to get mm-hmm. it done. I just can't. Right. And that's all out. Like I I cruise at a one thirty five. <laughs> you know one forty. Right. Yep. And it's yep. just you know I'm sure a coach could probably shave five seconds off of that, maybe ten. But it's just there are right. some people who just have that ability natural just, ability yeah yep. it's crazy and it's gorgeous yeah. to watch I, i'm jealous of it like crazy i know yeah, yeah me too yeah. yeah is your um on the on the half iron what was my question i was going to ask you something about the half iron specifically i'll it'll all come back to it um so when you wake up in the hospital like how long does it take you you said something really interesting in one of the interviews i watched with you is that you're sort of like your ptsd was more around driving than riding yeah, I thought I remembered racing and I was, I don't know. I was like, I don't remember finishing, but I had to, I just thought maybe I left the race. I was driving home and, uh, and I, or driving back to the hotel. I thought I must've crashed there because wow. it was just so bad, especially seeing how I looked. I'm yeah. like, oh, this is really bad. I must've been in a car accident. Um, but I also, I was naked under a sheet. They had cut my kit off. So I knew like, okay, they removed my kit. So, and I don't remember anything past getting on the bike. So because of what they told me, I know that it was the bike crash, but I don't remember the bike crash. So I just sort of associated it in my mind with a car accident. And um, I remember when I first drove, when I drove again for the first time after the crash, a couple of weeks later, I remember yeah. my hands were shaking and I was wow. so nervous to drive. And 
I didn't want to drive, um, and which is the opposite of when I got on the bike for the first time. I was like, "Oh, finally, I get to ride again." That so is it's it's crazy. crazy, yeah. Just the mind, how the mind works. Wow. So in some ways, I guess it's protected me as an athlete. It's great. So it's good in some ways, yeah. yeah. And so you you pretty well jumped back on the bike. I think you were racing again within like what two months or so. <laughs> I don't know if I'd even call that racing, but okay. yes. I am crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm crazy. And I did, I signed up for a race two months after the crash. I was still kind of banged up, but because I didn't have any major, uh, trauma, like, like my legs, I didn't break my legs and my arms or anything. I yeah. could still get through a triathlon. It was the other issues that I had been dealing with. So, um, yeah, I registered. My mother thought I was out of my mind, but she came down to support me. And, um, Johnny and I had slowly first we started with me just walking and kind of like riding the stationary at the gym and and i was so fit heading into that race that you know you don't lose it completely within two months so yeah i did a race right outside of dc and um yeah i surprised myself and i won um the women's race so i'm like okay like it's still there i still have it but yeah definitely those months it was a roller coaster what lots was, of ups and downs. what was your goal going into that race was it really just kind of like get back on the horse or did were, did you have mm-hmm. any expectation no just finish i i think i even the night before i posted on instagram i said uh even if i have to breaststroke the swim softly pedal the bike and then walk the run i'm just doing this like i just need to get get it one and done but you know you're an athlete like once you get out there and you get going you're like what place am i at oh there's a woman go after her and you know the competitive juices just start flowing and you can't help yourself so yeah yeah. i'm sure the lady but no i did not expect obviously i didn't expect a win i didn't expect a place nothing i just wanted the woman who took second probably looked at that Instagram post afterwards like, oh, <laughs> <I know>. uh. <laughs> yeah, well, the funny, she, she was young and I out sprinted her like towards the end. Um, so I didn't even beat her by very much. And I remember her mother, uh, I saw her mom after and her mom was like, oh, she's like, congratulations. She's like, she's over there upset. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of told her what happened to me two yeah. months ago. And she was like, I'm so happy you beat her then. Like oh. I'm, when I tell my daughter this, she's actually going to be really happy about That's it. That's cool. So, yeah. That's cool. Have you ever thought of racing ITU? Like with your run background, that might be. Oh, a, heck no. No? You don't like that? They the, have to swim. It's the swim. It oh, seems that's like true. If you don't yeah, make, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. can't make that top path, you're just completely out of it. I'd probably get left out of the race. So oh. yeah, you have to be a strong swimmer. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Therein yeah. lies the rub. <laughs> yep. And the bikes, I mean, I crashed and we have to keep distance from each other. Like I couldn't imagine, like, you know, they're all drafting off of each other as kind yeah. of contact. So yeah. that would scare, that would scare me. Yeah. The bike, the bike and the triathlon is some, I never really quite mad. I think I'm kind of similar in uh, to you in that regard where I was not that I was ever a, an astonishing runner, but I was a much better runner than cyclist. And I have like kind of skinnier legs. Like I don't have mm-hmm. a lot of mass. So while right. I couldn't go real fast, as long as I managed that, I always felt super fresh. Like I didn't have a ton of lactic acid built up in my quads. I never, I did a lot of bricks, but, but even then, like I never really felt like I was just dying on the run. Mm-hmm. So I always like that. Uh, yeah. Run was always my favorite one. Swim for some like sadomasochistic, like I always hated it, but loved it. Yeah. You know, 
I've never liked it. I just want to get through it. Yeah. And then honestly, the last few miles of the bike, I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to run. Like I'm tired. <laughs> like I just, you know, biked for 56 miles. I'm not going to be able to run. And then it's funny, you know, you start, you get going yeah. and that's when I need to make up time. So I start to forget how fatigued I am. And, yeah. you know, you just, you feel more in your element. So yeah. you just get into a rhythm and get going. That's awesome. Let's talk about Dave Scott real quick. I watched a little bit of, I think it was an Ironman video where you came out to Boulder um, mm -hmm. and he worked with you, but it looked like he was more working on like bike fit, um, physiology on the run, run form, things like that. What is, yeah. what does a guy like that bring to the table? Like how, how did he help you? Did he help you look like he helped you? Right. Um, well, they reached out to him. So I am a Hoka sponsored athlete yeah. and uh, about three months after my crash, um, they asked, well, they told him my story and asked him if he'd be interested in working with me. And, you know, he was like, yeah. And of course, when they told me, I'm like, what? Like yeah. six time Ironman world champion, Dave Scott wants to work with me. They're like, yeah, yeah. Just go out to Boulder. I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. Of course I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was still going through my issues and everything, but yeah, it was very interesting working with him because nobody has really critiqued my run before. You know, usually when you are competitive at something, people are like, ah, you know, we don't need to look at your form. Like you're fine. But yeah, he was just, he was really good about like giving me little quick cues and, um, things that I hadn't noticed that I have that habit of doing, like as I get fatigued in a race, I start like clenching my fists and like hunching my shoulders and my form just kind of goes to the, yeah. the, you know, goes to crap, goes to shit. And, um, he, we looked at that and he pointed that out. So, um, yeah, we like tweaked my form and it's something that I go back to now when I'm running, as soon as I start getting tired, I'm like, oh, uh, okay, unclench your fists, yeah. relax, breathe, you know. So he gave me those pointers. And on the bike, I never been taught how to climb properly. Mm. And where I live, it's pancake flat. Yeah. So when I get to these races, you know, I'm like kind of out of my element and I struggle climbing. So we practice me getting out of the saddle. And, and you know, this is like three months after my crash. So I'm still like... Eh, like I don't want to fall off the bike right. <laughs> and they're filming and yeah. So it was a little nerve wracking, but it was, yeah, just phenomenal. Like seeing how, how fluid he was, like how yeah. easy he made it look like when I climb, it looks like I'm struggling. Like with him, it just looks so easy. So we just, um, we looked at that, my cadence. Um, I have had a professional bike fit by Dan Emfield, who is, you know, no you should know who he is. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So my bike fit was actually good, but me being me, I've made some, I made some little adjustments <laughs> like to my saddle and do I'm like, oh, this feels kind of uncomfortable. And I start tweaking it. So Dave yeah. was looking at my saddle and he's like, well, why is it facing down like that? Like it should not be doing that. So we did little things like that. And it's amazing how just like simple tweaks to a fit can make yeah. you know your riding experience so much better yeah that is crazy on the yeah. on the climbing i think you guys were going up flagstaff there by chautauqua like what what, what was he showing you because it's funny to hear like you know a, like a technique on the climb kind of thing like what what could he have possibly shown you but obviously it was something that made an impact so what were you doing wrong and then kind of how did he is it something you can explain in words? Oh, it's hard. Um, so we did little drills where I would have to tap my left 
butt cheek to the right side of the saddle and then my right cheek to the left side and go back and forth. Like, you know, when you see people climb, especially the professionals, you see them kind of going, you know, like they're, I would be really stiff and nervous and like clutching my bike. And instead it should be just, um, you should be loose and just kind of swaying the bike side to rocking the bike side to side. And I, I didn't know how to do that before. Yeah, it's interesting because I want I wonder what I do because I want, you know, it's like the first time I, I got in the pool, for instance, I didn't realize how important it was to get up on your planes and like carve mm-hmm. through the water. You know, I was literally right. trying to stay like a flat bottom boat and I, right. I swam 50 meters and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and on a on a time trial bike, you're sort of like you're so focused on aerodynamics, which don't matter right. when you're climbing. But yeah, I guess it's like you want to keep that bike so still. versus what he was showing which was really like kind of keep your body still but let that bike move below you know underneath you exactly yeah that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so often i when i'm on my bike i feel like i'm operating a piece of equipment instead of like when you put on your shoes your shoes are just part of you like they're just i don't know it's almost like part of your outfit and with i have a trouble looking at the bike that way it's like this thing that I have to try to figure out how to use and I'm still learning that. So, well, it is, it is different coming from time trials and triathlons and then going into mountain biking because my, my, when I lived in Arizona and I was doing that, I only did triathlon. I I didn't own a mountain bike. I didn't even do any road racing. So I did very little climbing. It was all just straight ahead, stay as arrow as possible. So like mm-hmm. you're tucking your elbows in, you're trying to keep your knees like aligned to the bike. Everything is about aerodynamics. Right. And then when you get into mountain biking and and I did cyclocross first, one, I, I realized I had literally zero skills on the bike. Every time I would do a hairpin, I would go ass over mm-hmm. tea kettle, flip over the handlebars. <laughs> I had yep. no idea how to handle a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side was, yeah, my climbing skills were a abysmal like i just was not doing the things that you need to be doing so um yeah yeah it's interesting yeah, how you say ride tri- tr- non-draft legal races triathletes that triathletes do like we yeah. just lack basic bike handling skills because yeah. all we're supposed to be doing is just going straight as you said and staying at arrow and yeah. that's why my coach is encouraging me now to get a gravel bike and he's like you need to get off the road you need to like learn how to like maneuver and yeah. turns and and i probably lose so much time in a race every time i just have to turn because yeah. you know i get up i slow down i hit the brakes and yeah um yeah we just lack basic bike handling skills totally Cyclocross taught me within a season, like I I would say my bike skills quadrupled or quintupled. And the nice thing is you're never at risk. In most most situations in a cyclocross race, you're going eight miles an hour, 10 miles an hour. You're in soft stuff. And so all those times that I was wiping out, it wasn't like I was 25 miles an hour on on asphalt. It was just like, oh shit, I just, you know, wiped it into a mud puddle kind of thing. And, you know. And right. that can be fun too. And Virginia's got a great cyclocross scene. So it'll keep okay. you busy in the fall. Where where in Virginia? Anywhere in the foothills. Like any anywhere okay. you've got any kind of, you know, you don't need much to do cyclocross. Like I okay. the place that I um trained most often is called Bowl of Death. And it's literally just like a it's like what most schools would have in terms of like a little twenty foot berm pitch up to this thing and a lot of it right. is just carved into the ground and things like that. It's just it's just like hard 
it's really kind of like the way you used to ride a bike when you were a kid. You know, it's okay. like, okay, through the dirt lot, over the berm, through the, you know, it's just like all that kind of stuff. But it, it'll mm-hmm. teach you very, very quickly how to, how to handle a bike much better. Okay. Then try. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you. I think you. Yeah. I think you might just be really surprised how much you know your body type uh, really fits it too, because it's a lot of kind of okay. quick, explosive type of moves and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Good times for sure. Okay. So how uh, you know? So you go. You did Kona that year of the accident, yeah. and then um, basically life shuts down for a year as far as racing mm-hmm. goes. Is was mm-hmm. there? Um, you've obviously stayed on top of your training and everything. Uh, like, do you have a race this weekend? Oh gosh, yes! Don't remind me. Okay, cool. I'm doing a half Ironman. I haven't done one in what's it been? Eighteen months yeah. or something insane? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. How, how flippin' excited are you to go do a race? You're nervous, but I'm you're excited. Ex- oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm super excited, but, yeah, like, nervous. Like, am I going to remember how to grab the bottle? Like, you know, <laughs> while, while I'm riding my bike, am yeah. I going to be able to go through the aid stations and grab bottles and refill my fluids and, you know, like, all those little things that I haven't done in so long. So, um, and then it's, like, because I've been doing so many run yeah. races, my endurance is great. My run is good, but you know, with the pandemic, the pool's closed. So I was out of the pool for months. So I'm just really feeling like I'm coming into form with swimming. And then, you know, I usually would not race this early in the season, not in March. Um, I, I would want to get some weekend long rides out, um, you know, like out on the roads yeah. and I've been riding indoors all winter. So this is like going to be my first real, you know, long ride i guess out on the road so yeah i mean it'll be good to as i say dust the cobwebs off and see where i'm at and see what i need to work on and hopefully set me up for a competitive season but yeah, yeah i'm scared <laughs> i'm like nervous i don't want to embarrass myself those are usually the best ones it's when you go in all confident and not you know you let your guard yeah. down is when you you know you screw mm-hmm. up so you'll, you'll probably, yeah maybe you'll maybe you're right it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Usually when I go into a race, like I'll probably come in last is when I do the best. Or when you post to social media, if I have to breaststroke and all these. <laughs> yeah, <other. laughs> exactly. Maybe I should do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Worked well the last time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So a few months back, you were sitting on a beach uh, with your family. You get an email from Hoka to go and pace mm-hmm. at the Carbon X2 event in Phoenix, my, my hometown stomping ground. Yeah. Um, it looks like you had to ask some special permission from your coach to divert <laughs> training a little bit, but, uh, yeah, let's just talk for a few minutes about that event. That was a cool event. Um, I loved yeah. watching it. And, uh, yeah, it yeah. was, it was amazing. No, when I first got the email, my first reaction was, Oh, hell no, I am not <laughs> like, you know, I, I never done an ultra until October. Okay. Yeah. October. I did a 50 K with my friend, Steven. He's one like Ultraman Florida. He's in phenomenal shape. And he's like, I'll pace you through a 50 K. I'm like, okay, well, it's just a little further than a marathon. How yeah. bad can this be? You know? And we go through the marathon in like three or nine. And I'm like, Oh, this feels really, really bad. So, uh, <clears throat> so we did the 50 K I want to say we did it in like three hours and 45 minutes. Well, I was tore up for like two weeks because it's wow. not like we did it on trails. I never yeah. ran that far. We just did it outside, like, um, around my neighborhood on the pavement. Oh, wow. So okay. it took me a really long time to recover from that. We used my driveway as our aid station. So we ran by my driveway a couple times and wow. 
Um, so yeah, that wasn't the most pleasant experience of my first ultra. So of course I'm like, never again, not doing it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I got the email from Hoka and when I saw ultra, I was like, no, but then I saw some of the people who were going to be doing it and the men were going after the world record and the women potentially an American record. And I was like, okay, this is freaking awesome. Like, that's really cool. And even the pacing times, they said like, we could drop out as early as mile 22 or we could go to the 50 K. I'm like, okay. So, and I had just done a marathon anyway. Yeah. And, um, I finally broke three hours. I hadn't done a standalone marathon in like years. So I was like, okay, I'm in decent shape. Like I can yeah. hold some of the splits that they were asking. So yeah, I, I texted my coach and I'm like, Oh, look at this. Like, I want to do this. And he's like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? No. And he's like, yeah, that's not a good idea. You need to focus on swim and the bike. Yeah. We're done. You did the marathon and let you have your fun with the running. And now the world's opening up again slightly. So like, let's just focus yeah. on try. And yeah, we You're went like, back and forth. But dad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, look who's running it and, you know, sending him. And he was like, well, what's the earliest you can drop out? And he's, I said 22. And he was like, all right, if you could drop out at 22. And then he's like, what's the slowest pace you could possibly run? And I was like, I think they said I can run as slow as 715s. So that's kind of how I sold. Of course, I ran further and faster, but that's sure. how I sold him on it. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 22 there. miles. Like, come on. Whatever yeah. gets you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Were you wearing the carbons? I did. We all were. Yeah. Okay. How did you yeah. like those? Yeah. Well, when they first talked about the event, I hadn't received them yet. But okay. of course, they sent everybody out a pair. I think the people who were attempting the records got them very early on. Yeah. Um, but I got mine a few weeks ahead of time to run in. Okay. Um, were you worried about them. doing that? Like changing up and doing, I mean, at this point, oh, like this is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I didn't like the shoe or I felt like I was going to, it was going to cause me to get injured or something like that i would have just dropped like i would have said no it's yeah. just not worth it to me at this point mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i liked the original carbons i wore them in kona when i ran the marathon at the end so i was a fan of the original carbons and a huge fan of the rocket x they came out with so i'm like okay their their shoes are trending in the right direction yeah. So yeah, I went for a bunch of runs, did a long run in them. I did some workouts in them. Um, yeah, I felt like they were stable shoe. I feel like the Rocket X is a faster, lighter shoe, but okay. for such a long distance, um, knowing that I was going to run past the marathon, um, yeah. I, I liked the Carbon X too. What is yeah, it about? What is it about? I mean, I know all the science and all that, but the science kind of doesn't matter if it's not, if it doesn't feel right on your legs and everything. What What is it about right. a carbon-soled running shoe that especially over a marathon distance that is such a game changer? Um, I don't know. And I, I think it's different across the brands. Like, obviously, our shoes don't compare to the ni new Nike yeah. shoes. I guess those are the sh super shoes that everybody's talking about. And, yeah. um, I, you know, for me, staying injury free is most important. Yeah. And uh, I really I've, have never had any issues with Hoka. And that's why I stick with them, even if I could potentially, I don't know, run some massive PR in these new Nike shoes everybody's raving about. But yeah. um, I don't know the technology either that goes into it. Um, for me, it's uh, I've noticed the biggest difference more so with like for me, recovery with the new shoes that I have now before when I would run a marathon or even do long runs, I would feel really beat up. Like my legs would feel mm. just 
destroyed after. And now I recover a lot faster. And I don't know if it's the fitness or the shoe itself. So maybe it's the carbon plate that helps. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be the right person to answer that. But all I can speak on is the Hoka shoes. I can't speak on any other brands. Like something like a Clifton versus this, like where do you feel the Mm. difference? Is it the land? Is it the the push off or like, where do you feel? Is it, is it just everything? Um, probably maybe the push off. I mean, I'm assuming that the Clifton's are heavier shoe. Um, and then the carbons and the rockets are lighter shoes. They, they have more of a rocker. Um, so heel to toe, I want to say is a lot different than like, let's say a Clifton. So in regular, like every day, just jogging runs, going to the trails, I still wear my Clifton's. And then when it's time to race or do a fast effort, I put on the faster shoe and, um, I don't know why, but it does, it feels faster. It feels lighter. It feels like with the rocket X, whatever the foam is, it just, it feels like I get more pop out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've never, uh, like I've, I've, I use a nylon, uh, cycling shoe, especially for cyclocross. And uh, obviously, you know, Mm. everybody swears by the carbon side of things. And I've, I've worn a carbon shoe. I just never felt like it was generating any more power on the bike. And again, I think that's a limb. I'm not a big power guy on the bike. And I think think the more power you put, the more a carbon shoe is going to help you in that. Um, mm-hmm. on, again, on the bike, but I've always, I haven't run in the carbon shoes yet. So I didn't know if it's like, yeah. if it just feels like a spring underfoot or if it's just a lightness No, I've thing. heard that about the Nike shoes, okay. that it does feel that way, but I don't feel a spring with, and hopefully I'm not talking that about Hoka, but I, like, I don't, I don't feel any type of spring or I don't feel like I have some kind of like cheater shoes or yeah. anything like that. It just, um, Yeah. It just feels like a, a lighter shoe, and for whatever reason, I'm able to recover faster. And I, it kind of forces me up a little more on my toes, so yeah. moving forward. So I'm sure there's something with the design that helps with the Hoka shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. What? Um. What, so, what does your season look like this year? What are your goals? What are the races that you have penciled in so far? God willing, everything goes without you know getting canceled. Right. Yeah. Everything that I registered for last year that was postponed to this year, I'm in. So I'm going to do this coming weekend in Miami, challenge Miami, the half Ironman distance, and then uh, tentatively challenge Cancun, which is another half Ironman. And then um, in June, I'll be doing Ironman 70.3 Eagle Man in Maryland. So not that far away. So I'm hoping like this upcoming race wouldn't qualify me. Even if I place top three, it wouldn't qualify me for a pro card. But I think the two other races after that, if I place high. So that's just my goal. I just want to get my pro card. So I'll just keep racing and, you know, hopefully preparation meets opportunity and it'll happen. (laughs) I have no doubt for you that it will. Oh, I hope so. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's in the cards. Well, come on. I mean, you know, there, there's there's things that line up sometimes, and I, you know, it's it's interesting to think of like a a crash, this delineation, and like was there some higher meaning in all of that, you know, and like was that meant as some sort of signal for something? And you could read those signals as either stop or go forward, and you know, mm-hmm. you never know that 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 may right. have been the catalyst, and then especially a year off with COVID and everything, but the, you know, right. the, the cards will align. They will I align. hope so. Or align for, I joked around with my mom the other day, like maybe I'm just supposed to be the like, 
person that inspires the next black woman to get her pro card. Like it's after I've been through all this, it's not supposed to be me. I don't know. It's like between, you know, with 2019 with the crash and me thinking that I was going to do it then. And, and then, uh, yeah, like even heading into last year, I mean, before Kona, two weeks before Kona, I did Ironman 70.3 North Carolina, no, Ironman 70.3 Augusta. That was my first big race back after my crash. And, um, and I just missed it by like three minutes there. Mm. You know, I need to come in top three. It came in six. So it's just like this carrot just dangling and it's just not happening. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Is that the most important thing for you? Like, um, you would obviously have to get your pro card to have a successful pro career. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like you can't have one without the other. But what is the most important thing to you? Like, if you, let's say you don't get it, like, what would be more meaningful to you to get it or to have, um, an African-American girl cite you as the reason for her gold medal 10 years from now. Oh, wow. I never thought of it like that. That sounds like something my dad would ask me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the selfish part of me that's been going through this and putting in all the time and effort, like I want that so badly for myself. But I guess if it could positively influence somebody to do even better, greater things in the future, which could go on to influence more people, then then I guess that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That's a hard one. I don't know. I don't know about that one. (laughs) That's a tough thing. I mean, you know, and again, it's, it's, all of these things are so arbitrary. Three hour yeah. marathon times, pro cards. Right. It's all just, you know, it's these these rules, limitations, uh, yeah. rewards, whatever that we've all put out there. But they mean stuff, obviously, to all of us, you know. Yeah. So. Well, as my dad likes to remind me, it's about the journey, not the destination. Right. So I yeah. try to keep that in mind. E- easier and said it's been than quite, done. It's been quite a journey. So yeah. I've been really, really blessed. Oh, it's just starting for you. Don't worry. Don't you, like you're, you're, come on. Your race season starts tomorrow, this weekend. Like, oh, come on, Sika, let's go. Yeah. We're going to be rooting for you. You're going to crush this year. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> hope I don't embarrass myself. And you will that's not the embarrass thing yourself. About putting all your goals and everything out there too. You know, it's like, it, it, it makes me hold myself accountable, but there's also like expectations and, Oh, I, hey, I hear you. One, I've never run a marathon before, and I've just told a bunch of people that I'm going to go do a 50 miler. And I get that, you know, um, I, I needed that. And I, I've always kind of looked at this and like, I don't get it. I don't get why people do that. And for me, it was like, this is a really big, far out there goal for me. For a lot of people, 50 miles is super easy. For me, for uh, like phys- physical reasons, this IT band thing I've dealt with my entire racing career, I hit 10 miles and my body just says, that's it for you. Okay. And so I have just decided like I come hell or high water, I am going to overcome this this year. And I will, if I have to crawl 50 miles, that's what I'm going to do. So, yeah, I get it. It's scary to put those things out there and then look like an idiot when you don't accomplish it. But yeah, the reality is nobody, you know, I mean, the people who think you're an idiot for failing at the thing, the goal that you put out there, they're assholes anyway. Like, who cares? Yeah, what they that's think? true. Yeah. You know? 
they're probably yep, not that's trying very anything. True. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's a good point. Yeah. And look, and, and he, everything is relative. Like Jim Walmsley is Jim Walmsley. Like I'm I'm right. not him, you're not him, and he can't do some of the things that you can do and vice versa and all that stuff. So it's, you know, we all sort of hold those who are most um accomplished or, you know, most talented or whatever it is up on this pedestal when the reality is it's like that's not really like effort is really what matters, you know, that's, yeah. that's really the thing is that if you're, if you're happy doing it and you're feeding your soul and, and the next time you race and the next time you race and the next time you race and you want to be doing that thing and chasing that goal, that's all that matters. You know? Right. That's right. all that matters. Well, we yeah. normally do a little 10 question dash at this point in the podcast. You want to answer some questions real quick and let sure. people get to know you a little bit. All right, cool. Let's, yep. Let us do it then. Okay, we're going to start out easy. Uh, question number one, I know you're Hoka-sponsored athlete. What other gear are you um, sporting out on the course? Of theirs? Of anybody's. Uh, oh. Um, I think I saw a Scott bike or a Cervelo bike. I saw two different Oh, Cervelo. Oh, that's okay. what you mean. Okay, yep. Oh, yeah. Cervelo, Cervelo P3X. Best okay. bike out there. Beautiful bike. Gorgeous piece of machinery. Thank you, yep. And head with head wheels, man. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Matching you, head man. wheels. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, and by the way, like everybody needs a custom zoot tri suit every season. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I know they spoil me. How uh, cool is that? Been, yeah, they're awesome. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So, uh, and your next race you just said is this weekend. Uh, yep. Challenge Miami, uh, and then you already talked us through those. Do you have like a favorite sports book or movie? Or anything that you draw inspiration from? Um, gosh, it's like slipping my nine now. It's uh, the swim one about the first team. I can't even think of the name of it. Mm. I used to watch it all the time. Yeah. It's a movie? Yeah. Uh, yep, it's a movie um, with Bernie Mac and... Eh, it's all right. Huh. Well, anyway, if if nothing else is on, Gladiator is always my go-to Perfect. movie. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Great movie. Uh, what is your favorite race that you've done so far? Um, I think maybe 70.3 North Carolina oh. because it's a downstream swim. Fun. <laughs> so, like, you barely have to stroke and you're just, like, flying. flying. So. Yeah. Yep. So it's like it's over before you know it, and you're on the bike. Spoken like a true struggling swimmer in a triathlon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's yeah. your um, What's your bucket list race? Oh gosh, my coach is going to kill me for this, but I started considering doing the JFK 50 miler. Uh oh. I know. Well, you know, it's time. <laughs> if 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 triathlon doesn't pan out, maybe in November you'll see me there. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look for you for sure. Um, do you listen to music when you train? Uh, yes, always. Okay, what is your home stretch song or band? What you, get, gets you across that finish line when you're really hurting? Uh, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. PYT. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, I love that song. What's uh, what's the most embarrassing song on the playlist? Oh, gosh. Um, Only honest answers. You got to say it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I listen to uh, probably something my parents would be ashamed of. Some kind of some rap song. I don't okay. know. Maybe 50 Cent in the club. Okay, I don't know. Very good. <laughs> uh, do you have any pre-race rituals or superstitions? 
Um, I always get my nails done and I always do my hair the night before. Blow Very dry, nice. straighten it, even though I'm going to get in the water and swim. Very good. Do you do like the whole Jackie Joyner cursey, like the crazy nails, or, or are you pretty uh, reserved? No, if you can see, I actually got mine done already. Usually okay. I go with pink or red. I do okay. the same thing before Project Carbon X2. I try to match my kit. Oh, very or, nice. Or like the race top that I'm wearing. Was it Jackie that. Joyner? Am I getting the reference right? I think it was. Uh, was Flo, it? Oh, Flo so, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Flo she Jim. had that's the crazy right. ones. Yep. That's right. Uh, living or dead, who would you most like to share a long ride or run? Probably not a swim with. Uh, I miss my grandpa. He's like my biggest inspiration. And that, I think the, you're like four grandpas in a row. It's bizarre. Yeah. It, was, it started really? out everybody, yeah, it was like Malcolm X and um, there was some, I don't remember who, Frank Shorter. There was all sorts of like runners and then all of a sudden everything went really familial in the last couple months. I don't yeah. know, shift in yeah. the universe, the cosmos is speaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right, so you got final question. What is the secret? What is the secret? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out, I think. <laughs> Consistency. Somehow, you know, yeah. preparation will meet opportunity, as I said before. So I think that's the secret. Consistency. Boom. Well, you will stay consistent all year. You will achieve this goal. You will manifest your pro card and you will be holding it by the end of the season. <sighs> I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share with us? That. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, nope, not at all. Um, cool. Pray for me. <laughs> There's a, the Marathon Marcus. I interviewed him a, uh, about a month ago. One of the things that he does is he takes these inspirational quotes and he writes them on all his gels. So maybe mm. you just, just write pro card on all your gels. Mm. Okay. Something like that. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed our no. conversation. Thank you for having me. I did yeah. too. Indeed. You are, um, is it Sika.Henry? What is your, uh, what is your Instagram again? Sika Henry. See, okay. My just, full name. Okay. Uh -huh, Sika yep. Henry. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Well, folks, that is the show. I hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thank you again to Sika Henry for coming on. We do a special post for each episode on Instagram. So look for the post for episode 35. Should be a week from tomorrow, a week from Tuesday with a picture of Sika. If you have comments or questions, we are at Athlinks or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com. Uh, and I have to hit the right button here because I always hit the wrong button. We do a special, or, uh, yep, the best way to support the podcast is to click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows. Share it far and wide with anyone you think would enjoy it. And just take a second to give us a rating and a quick review on iTunes. And until next time, happy racing, everybody. Ta-da, we did it. It was great. Thank okay. you so much. Okay, yeah, good. No, thanks good. for having me. Yeah, Indeed. I like how positive you are. I needed that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. I'm like, all right. I and believe you got you. your goals too, your 50 miler. I'm like, all right, we can do this. We can do this. We will do this. Yeah. We will finish the year accomplishing our goals and we will high five each other virtually nine months yeah. from when, now. When is, when is your 50 miler? It's supposed to be July, but it's, it's Silver Rush up in Leadville. So it's like 10,000 to 13 and a half thousand feet in um in july so i've got a pt coming to the house wednesday to take a look at my my it it got really bad i started i over i went too hard too fast 
Okay. Um, I went up to, I went from like 16 to 24 miles in the course of a month and made okay. some, and on, on very hilly courses. So, um, right. provided I can overcome that worst case is my birthday's in October to, when I turn 50 and there's a, um, uh, there's a 50 miler, uh, just outside of Phoenix. It's a little bit flatter and not at 13,000 feet. <laughs> so, right. Cause yeah. I've done, and I think J- JFK is flat. Oh, I think, that's true. Flat. Yeah. That's an option too. And that's uh, in November. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. JFK is a, I don't know how hard it would be for me to get into that race, but yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting option. Mm-hmm. Um, well, registration just opened March 1st, so okay. I don't know if it's sold out already, but because I keep going back and forth too. I'm kind of like, let's see how this race goes this yeah. weekend. Because What we yeah. should do is just get one registration and then whoever doesn't accomplish their goals has to, has to race it. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I go. wonder if we could transfer it. Probably. Yeah. I probably know somebody who, you know, we could probably swing it between the people that okay. you and I both know, we could probably swing that. Okay. Yeah, that Sounds is awesome. Good. But I do believe in you. You're going to crush it. You're going to have a great season. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great race. Yep. Stay, right, uh, stay vertical. Okay. That's my dad <laughs> says that too. He's like, as long as you stay upright, I know you'll do fine. You always do fine when you stay upright. I'm like, yeah. okay. As they say, keep the rubber <laughs> side down. You'll be fine. Yeah.